We're back with Station Talk. Tom, welcome back to another episode, man. Yep. Good episode coming ahead of you today. Uh, really great episode. We actually have the inventor of the Williams Key, a forcible entry tool for first responders on today to talk about the tool, talk about the business, talk about himself as a firefighter because we're just going to talk about being great firemen and this incredible tool that Trevor came out with. So Trevor, welcome to Station Talk. So let's get right into it. I don't even want to waste any time. Trevor, let us know where you where you're from. Where'd you where'd you get? How'd you get into the fire service? And uh, and we'll get into the Williams game. All right. Well, thank you, Tom and Nick, for having me on the show. Um, glad this worked out. Excited to be here. I'm coming to you guys from the Los Angeles area. I work for LA County Fire Department at Fire Station Eight <clears throat> in West Hollywood. We have a um, 13 person house there, uh, aerial truck, uh, which is part of a light force. So an additional engine attached to that. Um, one other engine and a paramedic squad. And I'm assigned to the truck as a firefighter at that station. boy. <laughs> so how did you come up with, and I'm sure this goes back to being on truck and, and where you're at. How did you come up with the concept of the Williams key? So it actually started before I got on the job. Um, I've been working for LA County for seven years and I did four years volunteer before that. And to pay the bills before I got hired, I was working a construction job. So specifically as a carpenter doing commercial doors. So installing doors and locks, big schools, colleges, fire stations, police stations, um, just lots of, lot, lots of big jobs where we would do lots of doors all at once and, um, would spend a couple months to a year on some of these projects. So I became very good at knowing how locks work and how, how doors operate, um, would make some tools for myself to get in, uh, learned how to pick locks, everything about doors and locks I needed to know and, uh, become proficient at. So eventually I made what's now known as the Williams key, but a, a crude, a crude example of one out of a framing square. And I encourage people who don't want to buy one, make your own, you know, it's like a pretty simple, uh, device, just piece of metal. Um, but that's where it started. And then once I got on the job, I had a little go bag that was like all my extra little specialty tools that I would bring with me on calls. And in West Hollywood, it's like lots of high rise apartments, commercial buildings. So it's like a industrial setting that I'm working in. And there's always gates and additional security devices to try and bypass in order to get to our call. Um, so people started seeing me pull out the Williams key and um, I was, every day I was using it every day on calls and eventually people wanted it. So I made a small batch, gave it to my friends, my coworkers, and it took off from there. Nice. So, okay, Dom. Um, so I'm assuming the Williams key is better off for more like a commercial setting or like it, I'm assuming it doesn't really touch deadbolts per se. Correct. Correct. So it won't work on a deadbolt. It's best used in outward swinging doors. So if you pull the door towards you, that's considered an outward swinging door. And yep. um, if you're able to visualize the strike going into the, or like some people call it a slam latch. Uh, if you're able to visualize that going into the strike plate, that's probably your easiest door where you can use the shove knife and, and just to give a example here, um, for our viewers who need a visual, um, this is a Williams key folding version of the Williams key. And, uh, this is the handle and that's a shove knife, a pretty common tool on the fire ground. So this can grab the strike of a lock and open it up, bypassing it, doing no damage. And then, uh, this blade up here. Sorry, everything's black. Like <laughs> should be using the pink one. 
Got to think on your side. There we go. All right. Special edition pink Williams key. Um, Excellent. Better contrast here. So if you're <laughs> able to use the uh, the blade side, this is for higher security. So um, some commercial doors will have um, anti-vandal plate or um, a theft guard. And that'll be a piece of metal that covers up the strike. So you can't see it. You can't tamper with it. This will still reach behind and open it up. So um, there's plenty of videos online, Instagram, website uh, to give examples. But um, that's basically how it works. And it does a pretty good job. So you said you, I just happened to notice you had a folding version of, of the Williams key as opposed to the Williams key. What is, yeah. what's good about the foldable one? Is it just better for you keeping your, if you want to keep in your gear, if you don't have less room, is there anything different about that one that is any different than the regular Williams key that you already have? Good question. So everybody wanted something they could carry in their turnouts or we sell to like a lot of other agencies to like SWAT and military. So they wanted something that they could have on their vest or their belt. Um, the original Williams key is kind of cumbersome when it, it's like an awkward shape. So it's a little harder to carry around. Um, if you respond to medical calls as well, what a lot of people will do is put this in their medical box. And that's kind of like you always have it on you for your medicals and you're able to quickly pull it out. But it's hard to keep on your person. So that's where the folding key no. came about. Um, because it has a moving part, it's not as strong. But haven't ran into many issues where people said, oh, I broke it because of the 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 nut on it. Um, the nut will also get in the way if you're trying to reach the entire tool through the reveal of a door and a door jam. Like if you can see daylight through it and you want to like have maximum reach, like diagonal reach, you can't do it with the folding version where you could with this because there's no bolt to get or there's no nut to get in the way. Um, and then you see, there's like a little space here, like daylight. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, it's engineered that way to kind of move the bolt out of the way so that at least you can get this part down behind an anti-vandal plate. Otherwise, if this was in the way, you wouldn't be able to do that either. So that's how, that's how it was engineered to pull the nut out of the way. And then it folds up pretty nicely here. Titans, and that's it. That's the folding key. Interesting. We also have a 35-inch version of both of those, so a folding 35 and a standard 35. I was just going to ask if it was different sizes or... As a, as yeah, a... the, the big ones are for, like, massive gates um, where you can either reach over, reach underneath, or if the anti-vandal plate is running up the entire length of the door sometimes you're able to get that underneath and and uh bypass. So, realistically like on how often do you find yourself utilizing the tool is it is obviously not all tools are meant for certain circumstances so i'm sure you don't always have to use it but do you run into situations where you're actually like hey you know what i'm glad i kind of have this yeah it, at least in my district every day every shift um, yeah, I, I think it would depend on your area. If you have more urban, uh, residential, mm -hmm. less common, but there's still, it still gets used all the time on residential as well. Um, it just depends on how the door unlock is designed and what part of the country you're in and what your SOPs are, how you operate, what you're allowed to do. Um, there's also, uh, you familiar with the firefighter swipe tool. So yeah. yes. piece of plastic. Um, so me and firefighter, uh, swipe tool, uh, bill, um, he's, he's been over to the house. He's from New York and, uh, he, he made this product and we, we have a partnership going where I have a Williams key version of his tool and that's great for inward swinging doors. So between the, my, and mine is called the uh, inward door slip knife. Mm 
So between that and the Williams key, that's kind of like the perfect little package where you can attack outward swinging and inward swinging doors. And if you don't know if the deadbolt is engaged or not, that slip knife is a great way to check. You slide it around the jam, pull it down. It's like a super long credit card yep. kind of. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't get stopped where the deadbolt would be, you're good. That means the deadbolt is not engaged. And half the time, people never engage their deadbolt anyway. It's like one of the things people right. forget to do a lot of the time. Um, then if you can get down to the slam latch, you're probably going to get in. So I use that one a lot too. How's it work on so on your Instagram? It's not in like my area so much, but in urban areas, you see a lot of the, the gated doors that have like the padded like protector over the lock. It looked like your the Trevor the Williams key got in that with these pretty much. Yeah, so that that protector that's the anti-vandal plate, and that's what that blade is designed to do is. Uh, go right behind it and so yeah that's that's kind of like when it's being utilized to its full potential is right. specifically getting behind those plates and it's a sturdy tool like it it holds up it's at lots of busy houses and they're using it every day and um, this is like the fourth or fifth generation of the Williams key at this point because we've had different gauges the first one was too thick and too sharp so people were impaling themselves on it and then the next version was too thin and it was bending too much and then we uh, were at a 14 gauge um thickness now and that seems to be the perfect medium and that was actually my next question what was the um the thickness and and how it's made dimensions of it um so people get an idea if it's you know how useful this tool is because it seems like it's valuable in many ways, and I'll, I'll get on that in a minute, but um, I just want to talk about more of the dimensions of, of what the tools, how it's made, thickness in the metal, everything else. Sure. So... Do you... Uh... Oh, go ahead. No, you're good. Okay, so, yeah, now it's 14-gauge thick, the thickness of the steel. Um, it's 12 inches long, and the handle is about 9 inches, and... At first, it was being water jet cut out of steel and then powder coated, and then the logo is screen printed. Um, but now they're being laser jet cut, which seems to be a little bit cleaner of a process. And then still with the powder coat and the screen printing of the logo. And we leave the backside blank for custom engraving. That's a big deal in the fire service and a lot of these other um, first responder professions, like we love our custom stuff. So right. half the orders coming in, or if it's like a retail order, like not a, a department ordering tons of them, but if it's like an individual purchasing, I'd say about half the time they want their name on it. So custom engraving costs a little bit more, but you won't get it stolen. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> right. I, 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 yeah, I'm not exactly. gonna lie, I'm actually looking at getting one custom made to my, my name anyway, just because, uh, I'm kind of like that. I have some tools in my gear that I keep. That's just just specifically what I use a lot of um, through the lock type stuff. And I know that's that's kind of big around my parts. And um, you know, company I also work for, we do a lot of a through the lock training. And looking at this tool, obviously, definitely a through the lock type thing. You're not going to do much damage to the door. Um, so my next question would be: When I'm thinking about the use it for a lot of different calls, I'm thinking a lot of medical calls. And a lot of maybe alarm calls. I'm not really going to use this much on maybe a, a confirmed fire, but more so on on calls of good intent, service calls type deal. Where you're not going to want to have the old lady's house have to put in a whole new door frame and everything else for her because we tore it up. Right. I I think yeah uh, yeah that's exactly it. Um, that's why it was made on a fire. We're kicking yeah. doors in. We're using our yeah. irons. We're using our rotary saw. There's a time and place yep. for all that, and I love doing that as well. Um, but a, a new door and door frame can be a couple thousand dollars. So if if we're just doing a welfare check and we go in the wrong house and we destroy their door and their door frame, that's yep. not good, you know. So um, this is a good way to get in when there's less of a sense of urgency, where we can take our time a little bit more than a fire where seconds count. 
and maybe take a few minutes to figure out what our best access would be. Sometimes it's a window. Sometimes it's getting through the front door with a Williams key. Um, but yeah, medical calls, it's huge on those and like fire alarms. We do, uh, elevator rescues. So these won't, for the most part, there's a lot of different elevators out there, but this won't really pick an elevator. Um, at least most of them, it won't, but it's good for getting into the elevator control rooms. If you're going to yep. float, float the elevator down or whatnot, or drain the hydraulics, a lot of those, um, or outward swinging metal doors. And this is perfect for that. Yeah. I was going to mention that we do a lot of fire alarms up here, right in my area. And we have a decently large industrial park that a lot of the doors with the fire panels or even some of the spare office rooms and stuff, they're all outward swinging doors. So it'd be like perfect for that kind of situation. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. We had a, we had a call maybe three weeks ago. And it was like, we, we were trying to find the source of smoke in a multi-story apartment building. And I didn't bring in my tools, at least not like the soft entry stuff. And we got everybody out of their rooms, except for there's uh, three apartments that people weren't coming out. And these were all like, you could tell they were nice because it was double door, double inward swinging doors. And, um, I got to have some fun and I kicked in three apartments. Uh, when we, we tried all the other stuff we tried the apartment keys, the Knox keys, um, the manager and yeah, nobody was coming out of these doors and our gentle access wasn't doing the trick. So I was like, all right, cool. Now it's time to have fun and got to kick in some doors. So I'm not against that, but it needs to be warranted. Like there needs to be a good reason because then you're going to explain to these people why uh, they got to spend a couple grand on a on a new door, yeah. right? On a door, yeah, yeah. So I'm thinking, also, panic, uh, the panic bars, doors, doors with panic bars, and everything else. Panic hardware. Panic hardware. I mean, it looks like it'll go through one of those as well. Going back to the Williams tool, um, be a nice tool to kind of just slide in there, open up. Uh, is there something you do? You, do you use a lot of? Uh, Williams tools on panic hardware. So yes and no, I have some videos of the Williams key working on panic hardware, but it's usually a untraditional installation of the panic hardware. Panic hardware is some of the most secure, uh, locking mechanism out there. And, um, I owned a business that we just closed actually, um, that kept getting broken into. And I ended up putting a panic hardware on that door with the anti-vandal plate that ran the full length of the door. I did a concrete filled frame. This is a metal door and a piano hinge or a continuous hinge. So like, I know all the top security stuff you can put, um, and panic hardware was the lock that I chose, you know, to, to have on there. And it's also building code for a lot of businesses too. You need to have a way to egress by using the, the panic bar and like, um, in settings where like public goes and needs to exit. Anyway, long story short, um, the place on the door jam that panic hardware latches to, you're not able to access from the outside, even though it swings outward. Um, it's installed on like a different part of the jam. So being able to grab it with the Williams key, is usually impossible. Um, but if it's a type of panic where you can see daylight through the frame, which is common on gates, sometimes, um, the Williams key can work on that. And if it's a double panic, like a storefront with like yep. two panics, you can bend the Williams key to make a J hook. So a J hook is what I'd recommend for, for panic hardware. Um, it's a piece of metal that looks like a J. Yep. But you're able to also bend the Williams key into a J hook and use it in that application. Okay. So the short answer is no, it doesn't work on panic, but in some cases it does. You can make it work, right? You can make it work, yeah. A lot of different variables. Go ahead, Tom. Very it's that's it's very interesting to hear because I think a lot of people 
would look at the Williams tool and like you said, well, here we're hearing it's not working on dead bulk, it's not working on panic bars at all times. Um, but what we have covered so far is that it does work perfectly on like free mess alarms and you know, fire alarm doors and outward swing basic doors, which if you really look at the fire service, there's nowhere in this country that's, you know, running super nonstop fires all the time where a lot of these departments are EMS calls are what they're doing a lot of the times. They'll say, yeah, we ran 15 calls today and 10 of those were fire were EMS calls. So it's almost like a perfect environment and you mentioned it, I don't know if we were recording it or not, but you mentioned it that you don't only sell this for firemen, you do it for SWAT teams and EMS personnel as well, correct? Yeah, so a few statistics, I've sold about 15,000 of these and I've sold to FBI, Department of Justice, SEAL teams, all branches of the military, um, yeah, SWAT, fire, construction workers, real estate, janitors, um, repo people who like go and steal back cars and stuff. Um, there's a disclaimer, obey your local laws. So I, I can't keep this out of the hands of anybody really. Um, right. but it's the same as like a brick or a hammer or a crowbar you can buy at Home Depot. If, uh, somebody wants to get in, they will. Um, and this just helps them do it in a nice way where I think maybe like a potential criminal, they won't care about not breaking the glass on your door or whatever. Correct. They're just going to get in, in a less friendly way. Um, but yeah, I've sold to all 50 States, uh, about 30 different countries internationally. And I've got around 15 distributors right now as well. who are also selling for me. That's really Are you cool. doing, um, do you do any type of, I know you have the, you have stuff on your website, you have social media videos, are you offering any training to any departments if they want you or somebody who knows the tool to come down and give them a hands-on run-through of the tool with different props or if they have a training facility to really get that hands-on experience of what they're buying? Yeah, so at this time, no. Um, I'll yeah. do it locally if I get hit up um, by a department that I can, like maybe within an hour as a courtesy. I, I don't mind going and visiting and, and talking about the tool. Um, it sells itself. I, I think a lot of, a lot of the big departments have it, or at least somebody, you know, on that department has it. And, um, it's contagious once somebody sees it work now, you know, the whole crew wants it. Um, it's, there's never been a problem selling it, but that wasn't really your question. You just, you wanted to know if I'll go, I'll go out and train people or if I have any like affiliates that, that will do that. Um, I would like to, I think that would be great. I've been invited to a lot of conferences and, um, different speaking events. And I, to be honest, I haven't done any of them. Um, life has just been so busy for me over here. And, um, I also, yeah, I, I'm a career fireman, full-time fireman. And, uh, I just, I have a one-year-old daughter and another daughter will be here in a couple of weeks and life's, life's moving fast. Thank you. Um, but I would love to do that. Um, I just haven't gotten to it yet. So. Oh yeah. We're in a time yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, so what, what, um, I do offer are misprint training bundles. So if a department is unsure of whether the Williams key is a good tool for their department or not, um, they're like discounted. And there's, there's keys that I've received that either the paint is chipped or the logo is smeared or I engraved the wrong name on it. And I just set those aside because they're still fully functional, but they're not pretty. And I send those out as training bundles in packs of five. Hmm. And okay. a lot of people, those, those sell like hotcakes. I've never had a key I couldn't sell. Like they, all the little messed up ones, they get bought up too. So. so Speaking of mess up, it doesn't really fall as a mess up per se, but if someone was to buy a Williams key and you said you, you're on what, your fifth generation of them? Mm -hmm. So if someone, like if I was to buy one and I'm Joe Schmo Public and I kind of have like, hey, maybe you should do this to that or do this. Do you take like feedback from the from your customers like that and say, hey, you know, maybe on like a sixth generation we can see something like this? Or Oh, yeah. I'd... 
I am very easygoing. I, I take all the constructive criticism, all the, um, hey, you should try this. I, I, I get that every day. And um, I, uh, I, I would love to hear from anybody, any feedback, good or bad. Um, I don't care. I just appreciate, you know, collecting that intel. And yeah, maybe if there's a modification to a future version of the Williams key, and it would, you know, somebody gave me that idea that I'd appreciate that, you know, um, I probably can't, you know, give you a cut of sales or whatever, but I'll, I'll take the advice. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, I, I've been looking yeah. at the tool while we're, while we're talking, looking at it on the website and it just seems like something that works very well for many different jobs, many different scenarios just by how it's made. I mean, you look at it, just looking at it from how it's made, you know, the look of it, you could tell that it's very multifunctional. It definitely can get through different types of locks and it's definitely different types of, it's actually nothing that no one's ever not seen before. When you use this tool, it's very versatile looking at it. Cause you might think, Oh, it just looks like a shove knife. But at the same time, if you really understand your doors, understand your locks, this thing is going to save you more time. They're trying to tinker around with all these different shove knives, different things you have in your in your bag. You have one tool that could potentially access many different locks. And all you have to do is just watch some videos on it, train on it, and, and you and you just saved yourself and your crew a bunch of time and a bunch of money at the in that yeah. same at the same time because it's 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 a very affordable tool. A lot of stuff out there on the market that's overpriced, flimsy doesn't do the job. Meanwhile, this is sold in 50 states, what do you say, 30 other countries, um, mm -hmm. and really growing at the same time, used by many reputable agencies around the world. So it just goes to show that this is something that is going to blow up at one point. Yeah, yeah and I people mean, like to send me content too, like all the Instagram stuff, a lot of that is generated organically and people send me photos and videos all the time. I love it and I appreciate that. So keep keep that stuff coming. And people will also figure out how to use it in new ways that I never thought. Like one guy sent me a video, he got into a sliding window. He was able to like move the lock aside and uh, open up a sliding window. Another guy was able to open up like a, like a jewelry safe or something with it. Like locksmith, oh, it's really big with locksmiths too. They they love this tool. Um, and then one other example would be you can trip the sensor inside a door um, if you're able to reach the key through on the top. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you can put a rubber glove over it or sometimes it doesn't even need that and you can trip a motion sensor with it. So a lot, it, it is very versatile and there's probably like more ways that haven't even been discovered yet of how to use it. Yeah. That's what makes it really interesting is it's like advertised as, yeah, it's this to get help get into a door, but yeah, you can do it for so many different things. And I think the proof is out there that you said you sold 15,000 of these already and to all types of walks of life, all these different acronym agencies you mentioned have all purchased them from you. So that's, that's really cool. Yeah. I'm just, I just keep looking at the tool right now. I'm thinking like, like you just said, people are coming up with ways that you haven't even thought of that. Like, oh, I went through a sliding window. And I'm trying to even think about, um, it probably wouldn't work. The basement windows that have the little roll. I don't even know. I cannot, the name of it is drying a blank in my oh, mind. Yeah. And I just had it in my head. You, you turn it, it opens up the window, like almost like a, looks like an A or a V, whichever way you want to look at it. Yeah. yeah it has the I cannot think of the so, name of that yeah. window, but I'm sure somebody will come up with a way to make this tool work. Yeah, somehow it would work in there, but with the with the turn it might not. But thinking maybe a car window could it could it pop a lock on a car if you need to get into a car quickly, like a, almost like a slim gym. Yes. So yeah. So the the thirty five okay. inch version has been able to get into cars if you get a a gap in there. Um, if you can wedge it a little bit, you can slide down and maybe hit the unlock button on there. There's a video. I was going to ask that because that, that's interesting. So one of the departments around here, um, actually in West Point, actually, they 
do lockouts for vehicles. And there's one thing that like Hamilton's being called for it. But that's an interesting thing. It's an easy way for them to get into the vehicles. Also, we have the next county over yesterday had a child who unfortunately passed away, was left in a in a car. Oh. So it's almost like as if there was a tool like that. Yeah, you could easily break the glass if someone's trapped in the vehicle. But if it's a mistake or there's a pet inside and someone just needs to get inside their car and everything's all right inside of it, you can easily use it to help get into the vehicle. And it's probably a little more versatile than just having a Slim Jim around for, you would never have to use a Slim Jim unless for that reason. Yeah. You can use it for a bunch of different things. Yeah. We keep uh, the long version. It's called the Magnum. Uh, We keep the Magnum in our lockout bag for like auto, auto stuff. Um, it it's nice because it is versatile. Like you can pull it out and use it on doors, and then you can try and get into a car with it. Um, I don't think it's the best tool for getting into a car, but it it does work sometimes. So it's it's a tool for the toolbox. Like right, to definitely worth some just in case you have a backup or alternate alternate means. Yeah, it's always good to have. Yeah. Just looking at the tool, looking at how it's made, it's always good to have something like this. I mean, um, I'm thinking about you're talking about your department has it. Your, your house has it. When you first started bringing this tool around, how receptive was it when you started saying, hey, I got this this Williams tool I created? How receptive were the guys? Well, I never intended on selling it. It just kind of like that created its own monster. And once people started seeing it work um, and it it took off fast um to where i've been trying to keep up with it ever since um however you know how the firehouse is nobody will ever you know tell me they like it or of course yeah. people i don't know love it you know but the, my close friends now they'll use a screwdriver or anything yep. else and take a long time trying to get into a door before they'll they'll grab my key that's sitting right there they're like <laughs> digging around it and like <laughs> Doing everything they can to try and get under my skin, but you'll never, you'll never get under my you're skin. Just watching, you're watching them push the tool aside, go to something else. Like, hey man, I know it's gonna work. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, <laughs> if only there was a key that was a tool that was yeah, perfect for this job. But um, so. so I noticed that you said these are made right here in America. Um, wh- if you don't mind, where mm-hmm. where do you have? You made in California or somewhere? Okay. Yeah, so there's a the Williams Key Factory is in okay. downtown LA, and um, it's actually pretty close to where I work and convenient. So I go uh, pick up inventory whenever I need it, and they're usually on top of it with like staying ahead of orders and whatnot. That's cool. Yeah, nice, nice and convenient for you. Yeah, and I, I mean that's by design. I. I could be getting it from another country, but I'd rather have it made in America and support, you know, local jobs here. And it's a little bit more expensive to do, but I I think people appreciate that and you're potentially getting more quality yeah. work out of but it. That's too. that's what I saw when I saw 100%. Made in America. I'm like, you know, this is something that, you know, it's going to be a little more pricey, but it's going to capture people's attention a little more. Oh, somebody's making it here. It's probably quicker turnaround. Someone has a job for it and you can go to the factory if you need and check on production if you really wanted to. So you have that versatility to really control the whole process, which is really valuable when you're dealing with, with a product of this type of, of this sort. So, yeah. you know, it means more. It means more to the, to the consumer when you know that the, the designer, the owner has the control and oversight of what he's producing and speaking on you know yeah i'm passionate about it it has my name on it people have asked about like buying out the company and stuff and i was like (laughs) you can't afford my price like this is this is my baby you know so i'm not gonna let it go unless it's like yeah it's too much like right unless you give me enough for i can retire tomorrow yeah my price (laughs) would be unfair you know to most people who (laughs) want the company exactly Um, but yeah, I, t- I take pride in it and I do my best as far as the turnaround goes um, to get keys in the mail as soon as possible. It's not Amazon, but 
I've done the, the custom right. stuff is harder, right? Because people are sending me logos and you know, they, it gets tricky sometimes with that. And I have to edit myself um, before they get engraved. And, uh, but I've gotten keys out the same day and, uh, yeah. within somebody's hands in like two days. So sometimes it's a really quick turnaround. Um, and for the most part, we're never out of stock on anything. Like I've, I've been good about staying on top of it. And the Williams key store has like 10 other products I've come up with. It's just the Williams key is the, the best seller. And there's like, Kydex Molly holsters for that and tip covers. And I make something for a self-contained breathing apparatus to help you deploy your buddy breather. I make door hangers that you can leave on the door after you made entry. If nobody was home, yep. you want to let them know um, they didn't get robbed. You know, like the emergency personnel made entry because the fire alarm was going off and we knocked over your plant. Sorry. That's why, you know, there's footprints yeah. or whatever, you know, but you, you'd be worried if you came home and you're like, what the heck happened here? And you didn't know if fire was in your house, but it's like not how you left it. You think you got robbed. So, um, always coming up with little ideas to help out the fire service. A that's, little bit more. that's the beauty of this whole thing. It's like you you came up with something, you found a need for something in a service to make responses quicker for the soft entries. And, People took this, firefighters around the country and the world took this tool and found even more things they can do with it. And you used your experience as a carpenter working in that, that industry to really make something for a ton of industries. And at the same time, you're still evolving it. You're not just going off that one thing and saying, this is the tool, keep using it. You're finding other areas where you can still help out and still produce more ingenuity and more advancements. You know, I think that's like, that means more. It's not like you're just sitting there, like you're this tool speaking for itself. And then you're just taking all these little other things and bringing it out at that same time. Because I'm looking through it, all these little different things to help out with letting the, letting the homeowner know well, we were here, but it wasn't because somebody robbed you. We were just trying to fire, figure out why your fire alarm was going off, turn your stove on, whatever you did. And, uh, you couldn't get in contact with you when you were out, we were out there. So here's a note, you know, so it's little things like that, that go a long way. You know? Yeah. It's customer service. You know, the, the public is our customer and we want to treat them the best we can, like yeah. as if they're a family member, you know, um, what's cool is the Williams key helped me establish my platform. Um, I've got a good following on Instagram and TikTok and all that stuff. I've got tons of videos with multi-million views. Um, and the, the people that bought the key, they trust the product. Like they like it. There, there's been hardly any customer service issues. Um, and that's allowed me to come out with more product where if I only, so one of my newest products is a glow in the dark door wedge, uh, with the skull on it, like my logo. Um, if I had just come out with that and I didn't have anything else to back it up, I don't think those would sell because I'm not a big enough name to like put it out there in front of people. Like it'd be hard. I'd have to pay a lot of money in advertising to even get it in front of people or I'd have to send out a bunch of free ones, which would probably destroy, you know, from a small guy, like I wouldn't be able to afford to like continue making right. them unless they took off really well. But having that platform, I can, get all these other things that are smaller in front of people very easily. And, uh, and everything I've made is sold. Yeah. So it's, it's like, it's once really they see nice. how the tool works, they start seeing these little accessories that, Oh, I can, I can make it even, I can have a, a quicker entry or I can use the, the Williams wedge for something else. I can hold open, uh, I get myself a gap on, on the elevator door. I can do something with these things to keep helping advance my skills as a firefighter, my skills as a truck company to be better and be more proficient with customer service and potentially do less damage on these soft calls. So it's a win-win all the way around, especially when you start looking at the product more and really seeing how it works, you start seeing how ingen ingenuity behind it. Yeah. And what I'd like to do with the brand is I think it's 
starting to get to the point where it's like recognized um pretty well like i get recognized in public sometimes and stuff and um i would like to start putting videos out that aren't necessarily tools that i sell but it's still within like the soft entry yes. respectful entry realm of like hey here's another way to use an elevator pick to open a door and i don't sell them but maybe you'll learn and so i want my channel to be a place people come to learn even if they're like not buying my product pretty good idea because they'll see these things yeah it's, it's all Absolutely. just keep giving back and giving back is something that's so important and uh just to show different ways for forcible entry is very helpful there's a lot of departments like when i do a lot of through the lock forcible entry training I, I sometimes i go in and i'm thinking like man they probably know half this stuff already like, why am i coming here with these guys and we're going to go over this stuff it really realized that there is a huge need for this type of soft entry training and utilizing these tools in many different ways like a elevator key is one of them a lot of times they're like oh it's just an elevator key and they sit and collect dust on our rig well there's a lot of other ways we can utilize these tools for many different things just got to have a little bit of an open mind to it and keep it in your toolbox because one of them days might come i um i carry a j tool on my on my yeah. in my in my little bag i have and people always say why do you have that tool why do you have that tool sure enough i used it i mean yeah once in like a blue moon but you know i'm not going to smash the door I'm going to just go in nice and carefully and, and work the, work the tool, work the lock the way I need to. And and it works, but you know, mm -hmm. just these little things to have in, in there, in your toolbox is always something that's beneficial to the, to get to the customer, which is the people we serve. Yeah. I, I carry a, a J tool or J hook as well. And I use it pretty frequently. Um, one of the tools I carry where I was like, ah, I'll probably never use this one. I got a manhole cover, like bolt unlocker, like yep. some manhole covers will be locked down. And, um, I think I've been on three calls now where I've actually been able to like pull that tool out and unlock, you know, cause somebody dropped their phone or their keys in the drain and trying to help out a little bit, Right. but nothing critical, but it's still cool to be Johnny on the spot and be like, Oh, I got the right tool for this. And I've been lugging it around for two years and I finally get to use yeah. it. Um, it's a good feeling, but I, I get a lot of feedback too. Um, especially with the Williams key, people tell me stories all the time. So that's like, that's kind of like what I love, um, about what I do now is I get to sometimes get, get those stories that are really like, Oh man, it, you really made a difference. Like, um, a cop getting in, in time to save somebody who's going to hurt themselves or, you know, p potentially jump or, or whatnot. Um, so I hear stories like that and I was like, man, so this tool has actually saved some lives now at, at this point. Um, and I wish there was some way to like collect data and know how many millions of dollars have been saved on like damaged doors, yeah. you know, but there's no way to know, but I just part of me is like, I, I feel like, you know, it, it's making a difference and, um, that's why I keep doing it. That's cool. Um, so we've heard about the Williams key here a little bit. We know about what it does and how you came about creating it. What about you yourself? What got you into the fire service to be, you mentioned you were a volunteer before you went to LA. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so what got you in, involved? All right. This could be a long or I can, I can summarize it, but, um, I grew up as a missionary. So I lived in Africa when I was young, I lived in Africa for almost four years growing up. I, my dad worked for a large, uh, nonprofit organization called world vision. Um, so we were in a country called Zaire, which is now called the democratic Republic of Congo. We're there during the Rwanda genocides. So there's civil war going on. Um, if you've seen hotel Rwanda, that's kind of the environment we were in and we bordered Rwanda. Um, and we also lived in South Africa for a little bit. So South mm -hmm. Africa was also in turmoil, um, while we were there. So that that was the start to the missionary work. Eventually it got 
too dangerous to continue living in Africa. We evacuated out to Connecticut where I did, uh, I was still like pretty young. I was in middle school at this point mm-hmm. and, um, or starting middle school. So we're in Connecticut for, for a few years and then decided to go to the island of Haiti. Um, so Haiti, more people know about Haiti now because of the Haiti earthquake that Correct. was in, uh, 2010, which I was in and I'll talk about that in a sec, but, um, before anybody knew about Haiti, um, we went there as a family and Haiti's 565 miles south of Florida. It's attached to the Dominican Republic. It makes up the island of Hispaniola. Um, some people vacation to the Dominican, but usually not to Haiti. Um, Haiti's the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. It's like a very condensed Africa. Um, like, uh, there's just a lot of needs there. Yeah. Um, a lot of sickness, a lot of poverty, a lot of crime. Um, so we were in Haiti helping out for a few years and kind of the same scenario as Africa. There's civil unrest going on. Um, the president at the time, his name was Aristide. He was being ousted. And, uh, so we eventually had to get out of Haiti as well. Nick, you got, are you going to say something, Nick? No, no. My thing was all, I was trying to fix my, there's a alert oh, came okay. up on my, on my screen for some reason. Oh, gotcha. No, I, I don't want to talk for too nah, long. Nah. Um, but, um, yeah. So after Haiti, we moved to California and I've been in California ever since. Um, so I finished up high school and I got involved with the Explorer program, um, which is a way for those who don't know, um, a kid can train with the fire service and figure out if he or she, uh, is interested in, in a career. And so I did that when I was 15 and a half. I did that until I was 21, the maximum amount of time that they'd allow me to do that. I became an EMT in the meantime. I went to fire science school. Uh, I did a state fire academy. I did an Explorer Academy. When I turned 18, I applied to LA County Fire Department first because that's the department I grew to love and I had been training with. Um, But it took me seven years to get hired. So I ended up applying to 60 other departments, including FDNY and all over Texas, Washington. I was flying all over the US trying to get hired, um, getting better at my testing skills and my interview skills. And I was so young, it's probably a good thing I didn't get hired. Um, I had some growing up to do and I really appreciate the construction job I was doing in the meantime. It taught me life skills that I still use every day as we discussed. Um, but yeah, that's a little bit of my journey. We can talk about the Haiti earthquake if you want. That's like a pretty intense story, but (laughs) it's kind of like in all reality, like we, you don't have to get too in depth with it, but looking at it from a first responder aspect as you mentioned and i've been to haiti um thankfully i was on the little bit of the nicer side there but as you mentioned you know it is the poorest country so an earthquake down in that situation is going to be a lot different than an earthquake say in california where we have the emergency response resources to be able to handle those situations i can't imagine they have much down there no there there is no uh help initially um so to to back up a a smidge for your listeners just to give a little bit of uh data about the haiti earthquake um this uh, this occurred in 2010 on january 12th it was a 7.0 earthquake it lasted 39 seconds it was towards the evening it killed 300,000 plus people and left over a million people homeless. And it was probably the largest disaster, natural disaster in modern history. It was just devastated that entire country. There's only 7 million people in the whole country. So a million of them displaced and 300,000 dead. Like that's, it was a huge number. Um, So I I was there actually visiting my family. I, I hadn't been back to the country in five years. 
and I got there a few days before the earthquake. I had just finished up my EMT, so I was all ready to help medically, and I'd taken a couple classes and knew a little bit about search and rescue and whatnot. Um, but I, I was at an orphanage when it occurred on the second floor. The houses around us came down. The one that we were in with 110 orphans stayed, uh, stayed up, and we got all the kids out once the earthquake stopped. It was like super scary. Like I'd never been in anything like that before. It felt like a train was hitting our building again and again and again, and everything was falling off the walls. You couldn't even stand. Like it was knocking you down. Uh, I was watching cracks come up the walls, but luckily that building that, that I was in stayed up. Um, my mom and I have two younger sisters. They were at their apartment and it was a five-story apartment. They were on the bottom floor, completely collapsed, pancaked down on top of them for about 24 hours. We thought they were dead. Um, they made it out alive, but it was a it was an intense 24 hours. Me and my dad uh, were, found each other and then uh, prepared for the worst, um, prayed for the best. But uh, yeah, I've, I'll never forget that day. I'll never forget the moment we were all reunited um my mom was hurt my sisters the youngest one was like four at the time i think and couldn't see she had debris in her eyes my other sister she was scraped up um but helping my mom and my little sister and uh they got evacuated out by the air force the next day from the u.s embassy and i decided to stay in haiti by myself and help for a couple weeks after that. So I saw the search and rescue team from, I wasn't hired at, at, at the time, but from LA County. So the department I work for now, I saw their search and rescue team come down. That was the first team I saw hit the ground. And ironically, I was wearing a county shirt and a county hat. Um, as an explorer, you know, you get to have some of this stuff. And I lost everything I had, all my, all my, clothing and the collapse but i just had the shirt on my back and i was like hey guys check it out la county can i help you know and i was a 19 year old kid at the time and they're like you know sorry kid there and understanding everything that goes on now because i'm a part of the team now um there's a lot of red tape and fema and usaid and all the government requests and stuff and the politics so yeah there's no way i would have been able to help but I ended up joining up with a private search and rescue team. We pulled body parts out, nobody viable. Um, then I worked at a mash tent that was set up at the airport. A lot of amputations. I got to assist with those. Then there was gang violence, a lot of shootings and stuff coming in because the prisons broke open and a lot of criminals escaped. Um, there were warnings of a tsunami that was coming that did come but it was like it didn't affect the country really um but there was like scares of that and i eventually ended up working for a helicopter team for about a week and we'd pick up food from the airport and drop it all over the country and that was the most fun and most most effective work that i did pretty crazy that's it's i've never met anyone per se that works with so that, that must have been like a real eye opener to you. As I said, you know, here you are young and I guess kind of started at the beginning of the career almost is, and, you know, we kind of take for granted what kind of resources we have that other countries really don't have. Yeah. I felt like I needed to stay um, given the skills that I had and I knew the language a little bit too. So I knew how to get around the country um, I had like the Haitian street smarts to where I, I probably wasn't, well, I knew how to be safer than most people, um, yeah. in Haiti. And, uh, I was given the opportunity to leave the country with my family and the air force. And people were telling me, you have the golden ticket, you're American, you're at the embassy, you have the golden ticket to leave this country and go home. And I was like, my golden ticket is to stay here because everybody's going to try and get here and help and they won't be able to because there's 
the airport shut down. Like people were having to like circumnavigate Haiti through the DR and the Dominican and get to Haiti that way to help. So all the aid that was sent to Haiti and rendered, it, it took them a little bit. So the first 24 hours, like we're trying to pull bodies out and trying to do first aid and try and keep people alive. And just like, that's the most critical moment is that first day, you know, and then, then the first three days. And then after that, you're like, your viability percentages decrease significantly. So definitely a life uh, altering experience for sure. Yeah. And that's what helps me cope with the stress of the job. Now, like my worst day was a lot worse than most people's, I guess. So I, that's my, um, that's like my spectrum of stress, right? Like my, my worst day and all the at work and the hard days on the job, they only, you know, come to like halfway to my threshold, right. Of what I've been through already. So, um, it's prepared me for a, a stressful job. Um, but I've got a good wife that, you know, understands where I come from and what I've been through and talks, you know, she, she's really good at listening and always asks me about my day and stuff. So I'm able to do that to kind of cope. And then, um, I get to do stuff like this pretty frequently where I get to share my story. And after Haiti, I started a nonprofit organization building houses for earthquake survivors. So I was able to go around to like lots of colleges and churches and share my story, do fundraising. We, we built 39 houses, uh, so far now for, for That's the really people cool. in Haiti. So yeah. yeah, it's my way of giving back a little bit. Uh, I got a second chance at life. So did my family. So we're, uh, grateful for that and trying to find ways to give back. Absolutely. That's awesome. Absolutely, man. That's, uh, really appreciating. Really, you really look at life when you hear these stories, like how grateful we are and how much, you know, take things for granted. And a story like that really shows that every day is precious and everything we do is a precious day. And, you know, enjoy it. Enjoy it while you're here. And I mean, you got a second chance and look what, look what you, look where you are now, look what you're doing given back in so many different ways to so many different people all, all across the world. So it's real commendable. And the uh, only thing I could say is thank you. And, um, yeah. Thank, thank you. I'm just a victim of circumstance. So trying to make lemonade out of lemons. I hear you. Know? you. I hear you, man. I think that's a good place to wrap up. I think we covered. Yeah. Just a lot. before we do wrap up, um, Trevor, where, where can people find you? How can they, involved with the Williams Key or even your your other project you got on we're building houses. Is there anywhere you can people can find you? Sure. So the the website WilliamsKey.com is a great place to start. If you're on social media, Instagram, I'm pretty active on there. I I'll respond to your messages, your comments. If you have questions, I love to talk shop. So the Instagram is the Williams key and same with TikTok. Uh, I'm not good at responding to messages on, on there, but you can watch videos on there at least. Um, and then if you want to email me directly, the Williams key at gmail.com. And like I said, I'm more than happy to discuss tactics or if you have a door, you have a question about or a lock, we can talk about it. Send me pictures, videos of the problems you're having, or if you just want to send me some cool content, Maybe I'll, uh, I'll post it. Um, so that that's, uh, the Williams key side, the nonprofit side is called firm foundation and it's the Haitian spelling, um, for, for strong. So, uh, firm in Creole in Haiti is, uh, spelled F I R M E, which means strong. So strong foundation. So firm foundation, if you're a Spanish speaker, it's going to look like firme. Um, but firmfoundation.org is the way to get a hold of me, um, for the missionary, uh, um, side of that. So, yeah. Very cool. So you want to wrap this up, Tom? You want to close it out this time? Yeah. Trevor, we appreciate you uh, coming on. This has been very insightful and 
hopefully our listeners will gather some knowledge, not only from your tool, but even from your experience down in Haiti for, for the earthquake and whatnot. And uh, maybe it'll give people a idea of if they've been through something like that, that they can kind of gear towards emergency services and maybe help them out even like it does with you. So uh, again, thank you. And I appreciate you taking the hour of your day today. Um, congratulations again, new child on the way. So hopefully wishing you guys all the best. Thank you, both of you. Thank you, Dom. Thank you, Nick. Thanks Thank for you, Trevor. Me. I appreciate it. And with that, until next time, work hard, stay safe, and live inspired.